best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of little crowd playing motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to the Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Shields, here. Back with us again is Mitch Lucas. Mitch, how are you? I'm good. I'm uh, happy to be back. Excellent. Glad to have you here. We are going to talk about uh, The Harder They Fall, and I'm not speaking of the 1956 boxing film noir directed by Mark Robson that turned out to be Humphrey Bogart's uh, final film role, but... The 2021 revisionist Western directed by James Samuel, uh, starring just a mass of incredible actors. We'll get into uh, the uh, tagline goes, when an outlaw discovers his enemy is being released from prison, he reunites his gang for revenge. So uh, a really, really cool film here. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. We're discussing it. Um you know, I know recently, I think we both really like the actor in this, that um, his, his name is Jonathan Majors, um, most known for Lovecraft Country recently. He was in a, um, one of the films I've talked about a lot on this podcast, Last Black Man in San Francisco, one of my favorite films. He's going to be, uh, he was in Loki, the, the series Loki, the uh, Disney series. Uh, he was Kang in that, so he's going to be a big part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe moving forward. The Five Bloods, which me and Mitch talked about in an episode here. But um, I love your art, Mitch, and I see you keep cranking it out. I saw a recent picture uh, painting you did of John Candy uh, celebrating. Was it? Did you have him on your mind because of um, uh, Thanksgiving coming up? Yeah, planes, trains, seasonal. and automobiles. You know, yes. I'm one of those social media people, so I try to think about <laughs> ways to... Uh, you know, topical types of things, but yeah, seasonal Thanksgiving, you know, I'm, I'm all about that. I like, it's a, it's, you know, it's, I like a little bit of routine in my life yeah. and especially with films. I do planes, trains and automobiles every Thanksgiving. I do uh, the last waltz every Thanksgiving as well. Mm. Um, you know, I do the die hard every year on uh, yeah. all that, all that stuff. But, uh, you also did, I want to mention this, you did a, um, a painting of Dean Stockwell, who we lost recently. Was that someone, an actor, um, that meant something to you? Oh, very much. He, I actually did his portrait just, you know, months ago um, oh, wow. out of my own interest. So, oh, wow. Uh, just really mesmerized by his uh, character uh, in uh, Blue Velvet. It uh, It's just like a really haunting world that Cal mm-hmm. McLaughlin finds himself in being taken to this weird party and uh and it's just one of, it reminded me of something where uh it it almost reminds me of going to a party in college and realizing you don't know anyone and you hate <laughs> everyone there and you don't know how you're gonna get home because someone else drove you know and that's you, still, what do you mean college that's still happening to me yeah <laughs> well it just it just felt I just loved the weirdness of it, that experience totally. and uh i was uh you know inspired to do that uh, over the summer i guess but uh and you know jonathan majors uh was someone who i saw on five bloods and he the first frame he's on screen was sort of the reason i was ins- just sort of so excited by him there's some wow. there's a power and a strength to mm-hmm. his soul and the energy that he brought out uh, 
to the to the screen and i i've just been really interested in him ever since so uh i i was excited about this and i and i really like his performance in it you're right you just said it so perfectly the ferocity that comes from his spirit and just his whole being and just this underlying passion to what he does even when it feels minimalistic it feels powerful he reminds me of um you know it's like I would say James Dean sort of my favorite actor of all time, and he has this he has this sort of charisma, but then also a vulnerability that was that that mix that is so exciting and uh and yeah it's it's just sort of he brings me back to he's always doing something unique and it and it feels like the work of Brando James Dean you know he's just got a lot of confidence in in his characters absolutely it drips off the screen too, which yeah. is amazing i um this film kind of came out of nowhere for me. I, uh, uh, you know, I, Netflix is kind of funky with how it announces shows. Things just kind of pop up in the timeline and they shove it down your throat. And, you know, you know, I know when HBO shows are coming out, I'm looking forward to them of months. All of a sudden, a really fantastic movie or, or series just shows up at Netflix. But I saw the listing for, uh, uh, you know, uh, about a month ago of what Saturday Night Live was going to have on, who their guests were going to be. And I saw that, um, you know, uh, uh, Jonathan Majors was listed for Saturday, uh, November 13th. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, you know, as a he's host, been in some, as a host, he's going to be this Saturday. This I'm going to, it wow. just happened. We're going to release this okay. uh, next week. But um, when I saw that, I was thinking like, you know, the Roland Loki wasn't big enough. I don't know. Lovecraft maybe gets him there, but I'm like, there's got to be something he's doing. And yeah. I think this, you know, the heart, the harder they fall was the big film that, you know, propelled them there. And right. I just hope this, this film and the SNL performance and people going back and seeing how good he was in Lovecraft and Last Black Man and everything and, you know, what he does in MCU moving forward. I, I hope this really puts him on the map because he's that, that special. And also what's so special is this cast. This is truly, I, I think I'm saying this without hyperbole, one of... The greater cast I've seen assembled recently. This is stunning who we're talking about. We're talking about Regina King, Idris Elba, um, Lakeith Stanfield, um, Zazie Beetz. I mean, Delroy Lindo. It just, and it yeah. goes on and on and on. It's, if what you take a, like what, the what, big uh, five or six of these people and you said you just had two of them, this would be a yep. huge cast. So Absolutely. Well said. It's just, it's just seeing them all having moments with each other. They all, you know, bring their a game for this it's just amazing um speaking of great cast and it's a super aside have you start have you watched dope sick at all no do you know what i'm talking about it's on hulu I do not, another I do ma- not. A, another amazing cast it's about the oxycontin thing it really michael oh, Keaton okay. headlines the cast um i was just i was just welcome to the party pal I was tweeting about the um the uh, uh, performance by Caitlin De- uh, Dever in it, and uh, the showrunner okay. Danny Strong was uh, retweeting, celebrating as well with us. She just—it's just—I wanted to mention it because it's stunning. I think everyone should see it. But right back to Heart of They Fall. So uh, the uh, the film starts out, um, and there's it. It says that while the events of the film are fiction, these people existed. And so what we have here is a film that's, that's centered around uh, some of the most notable um, figures, um, black Americans from the West, uh, uh, his true historical figures. But that doesn't mean this is a real story by any means, but it does take these characters that are well-known throughout time and throws them together in this, this 
really wild, um, you know, kind of revisionist Western. It's, it's, it's not your standard Western, even though it's got, you know, many of the feels and tropes that we'll get into, but, uh, this is a different bird. What did you, what did you think about what they did here? There was a lot of chances taken. Well, so many things stuck out to me is that I thought it actually felt very much like a, like a Tarantino type of take on Westerns. Um, felt very much like in the spirit of Sergio Leone and things we've seen, but there was definitely an originality to the cinematography. There was an originality to the dialogue. Um, it felt very modern, but not in a not in a in a in a false way. It, it felt very intentional. Oh yeah. That that mm-hmm. it was that there was a modern um, feel to it. Um, it's very very high production value. Very, I mean, it's it, it's got everything. Uh, and like I said, the the cast is one of the things that I would say is my favorite part of it. Um, no, there's no, a lot no, of no. intensity, but just seeing, you know, Delroy Lindo is, it's like you have all these people. And then on top of that, you have Delroy Lindo, who's could have been the star. He's the star of, you know, the, uh, one of, of the five bloods. I mean, so, and he's playing a supporting character here and, and I can't imagine, or I would have to assume that all these actors were really excited to be in scenes w- with him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, Regina King could have carried this movie movie on her shoulders as is. And I mean, she's also um, got a supporting supporting team. So, yeah, they did. It is. It's it's there was a lot of liberties taken as far as uh, Westerns. Westerns are concerned and chances taken. I mean, there was a lot of genre uh, genre blending going on. There was, um, you know, (laughs) a complete disregard for uh, period accuracy, which I appreciated but i mean you did have the standard western tropes present you know there's the revenge plot we got a train robbery we got a standoff with a marshal um you know the crews reassembling um out for uh uh you know united purpose uh bank robberies of course and um you know an outlaw that hunts an outlaw that's i mean definitely something that's that's standard in western movies but it's just different and i've always you know, I really like, I love Westerns, first off, and I love to see what people try to do with them uh, in modern days. I, I like, you know, even even when I was younger, I was I was obsessed with Young Guns in a major way, and, and even moving forward to now, I love, like, the modern takes on them, even, like, ones that are, like, modern, modern Westerns, which are taking place in, you know, modern times, whether it's No Country for Old Men or... Um, what else am I thinking of? Hell or High Water is one I like, yeah. where it's kind of modern day. It's still the West can still be wild and still untamed, and and, and a lot of things there. But uh, the Westerns really, yeah. Some ex- some aspects of this film reminded me, and this is like the worst like it, like comparison, but like Young Guns was a Western that was like one of the worst West were first Westerns that I ever saw. And I always loved Young Guns, and Young Guns was a film that was like it's just going to be modern. But it's a western, you know. Totally, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I did. I think it was an introduction to a lot of people in our age to westerns. I, I felt like they were my fathers, uh, or, or like even grandfathers, like you know, place for enjoyment. You look at old John Wayne films and Clint Eastwood films, things I've I've grew to appreciate and got to watch. But that was those weren't mine. And then when they gave us this young cast of, you know, Emilio Estevez and 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 the whole gang there, Kiefer and everyone. You know, that was something I could, you know, you know, then they had the rock music with it. And yeah, we're going to get into the bon, music bon here. Jovi. But it, 
Yes, Shot Down in Blaze of Glory is a special, special song. I don't care. But you mentioned Delray, and it was fun. It was fun to see him um, kind of being in tandem uh, with Jonathan um, Majors because their characters were father, son into Five Bloods, uh, which was, right. was kind of neat seeing them have the scenes together at first. But, um, you know, we have to get there right now about the director, um, uh, Jamie uh, Sa- Samuel, because he's, he's, this is his feature debut. And it did not feel like that. There was the cinematography was stunning. This was a big production. This is this is not an easy thing to, uh, you know, helm. And uh, he did what I believe is an outstanding job. What well, just a little backstory if anyone doesn't know. He's a musician. He's uh his 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 musician name is uh the Bullets. Um, he he has a great album. Um, it's it's called uh what is it they. It's they Die by Dawn and other short stories. And um, his music's real cinematic, too, which is which is kind of, you know, plays to what he did here. There's a great song um, called Close Your Eyes, which features Lucy Liu, the actress, and Jay Electronica, the rapper. He is a – so he's, he's a good musician. He's actually also the brother of Seal. Um, oh, wow. Fame, fame for uh, Kiss from a Rose. But – he has not done. He's he's directed a couple of shorts. He did Jay Z's Legacy uh, and just a couple couple other things. But this is his first uh, feature debut. And and were you, are you surprised by that? I I certainly was. Well, it it seemed from my bit of research, the short film he made was a western, almost like it maybe could it have been a pre one of them was yeah yeah a precursor to this. But um, you know if. You can get the right people behind you. You know anything's mm-hmm. possible. But for someone to come out with their very first feature, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, an accomplishment to have something of such high, uh, high value. And you know, it's just uh, it's really well made for for any for any level of where you're at in your career. <laughs> if it was his third film, I wouldn't have said. Oh, this, you know, it, it, it feels like he's on the moving train already. It's the, the you know, it doesn't feel like something that's starting up. It feels like he's, he's already uh, well in into uh, his career. So uh, I, I can't imagine that he's not going to be, uh, you know, having offers or, or being able to develop his own uh, materials from here with this. Yeah. This really, it really feels like the beginning. But you're right. When you watch it, it doesn't feel like the beginning. It feels like midstream. Someone who knows. Exactly Someone who knows what they're, what doing. they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Who he I probably mean, does how, by now. You know. Sure. Absolutely. And uh, how amazing is it when you know you're the person who co-writes it and directs it can actually do the music. I mean, it's scored by him, and you know, wow. I think that led to some of the amazing timing you're seeing with the music, and you know, uh, the, the, it's just like. It it was the this, the music was just jaw dropping to me how it how it worked how it, I mean we're looking at different genres of music too that that was kind of seamlessly put together whether it's hip hop a lot of reggae um, there was a funk there was a kind of a funk song during that great fight scene between Trudy and uh, Stagecoach Mary but you know a wide variety of, of very untraditional Western music being employed here. And, you know, I mean, there's even moments where, you know, they break out the song in like a musical thing when we first meet Stagecoach. There's just, music is such a big 
part of this and it just led led itself to the whole momentum and, and different feel to the movie that made something as traditional as a western even though it's an untraditional western feel so different and feel so you know of a of, of i don't know of he 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 took this genre and made made something of his own with it and it's i was so impressed and the music was such a big part of that i think uh, western is a good genre for someone who might be uh, have a background in music because the the tropes Good and the, the plot points of a Western are familiar to the viewer. So there's rhythm there to our understanding of it mm-hmm. um, in that I, I, I think music can help help with that because there's just like there's a, a repetition to the plot and our familiarity as the viewer um, I just think helps music be such a big part of it. You know, you can read what's happening. You, you, you know... You know what's you know someone's about to get killed if uh-huh. they almost get killed and don't and they go whoo yep. and and yeah. music is the sort of the orchestra of those types of moments. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Um, it's got a banging soundtrack too. It's yeah. you know, who uh, it's got CeeLo Green on it, Jay Z, uh, Lauren Hill, uh, Seal, the aforementioned brother. Just it's got a whole lot of other people and of course um, uh, Jamie Samuel, but. I was just so impressed by that. This movie really, you know, I got so excited once I found out about it that, you know, saw the cast and, you know, saw that I was going to get a new Western with all these actors that I just love so much. But it was, it it grabbed me immediately. And and the opening scene was just, you know, uh, you know, it was, it had uh, Nate Love just um, uh, as, as as a child. And, his, you know, when that door opened and you saw the father's face, see, you know, the man with the golden gun stand there, and you saw how scared or taken back he was, you knew the power of that person at the door, which turned out to be Rufus Buck. But, and it was kind of that, that scene was the one that I would describe as most kind of Quentin Tarantino take on, on a Western. I really felt like I was in one of those moments. And, and it just right away, you know, he's getting something carved in his forehead. Cut to the second scene in the church where, you know, we already saw the hand that was a scorpion hand. And, you know, the, the, the guy's asking this, this, this strange outlaw, who are you? Just a man here to kill a scorpion. I was like, you know, going from the, the kitchen table to the, to, the, to the church. I was like, this is everything I could want in, in a kind of neo-revisionist Western. I'm in in every way. Did, were you grabbed immediately like I was? Well, it was yeah. It's a great go from that terrified kid to this really uh, you know chiseled man who's like ready to uh, to face his demons. Uh, yeah, and that just goes back to what I'm saying is how much screen presence uh, that you know Jonathan Majors has. Oh yeah, absolutely. And just it was just it was so so powerful right off the bat. And yeah, the uh, so I mean the whole thing just speaking plot wise and kind of generally comes down to um, a couple of gangs, you know, the Nate Love gang getting together versus the Rufus Buck gang getting together. And But along the way, you know, we had to get to know those those players of the gang. And another scene that just drew me in and just really knocked my socks off was the uh, the when, when they actually broke Rufus Buck out of jail. And that's, you know, Regina King and Lakeith um, Stanfield's characters, uh, Trudy Smith and Cherokee Bill. Um, you know, that was when we really got to know them and their nuance. They just brought so much fun 
an intensity to the table and and that jailbreak scene i absolutely loved it's something i i I went back to it and watched it a few times since that 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 one that was another scene that really killed me yeah it's beautiful you know cinematography with the train and just sort of following this uh it, it just feels like the camera's following uh like i don't know like the bullets almost and and uh the the confederate a soldier who's sort of stuck in the middle of this, or mm-hmm. not? They weren't Confederates. They were, weren't they? They were Union soldiers. They were Union they were soldiers. Yeah, like corrupted Union soldiers. Or, uh, exactly. But uh, yeah, this they were sort of caught in the middle of all this, and and then Adir Salva, you know, sort of like this um, mysterious presence that we know he's he's we we know he's like a, a, a sort of the main. Uh, draw in terms of the bad mm-hmm. guy here, and that's like that's like this slow, uh, burning introduction to. I mean, we've seen him, but now we know that it's that it's uh, Rufus from the beginning. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It took me a second actually to get to that conclusion. Then I was like, "Woof, well, Idris is so powerful." They have all these. Yeah. Just, have you seen? There's like you know, and and you know, um, Samuel employs a lot of beautiful widescreen shots, but he knows what he has in these actors, and you get up close with the intensity of their faces, and he takes you right into them, which is such such a smart move. Um, I did a little um, history uh, uh, research on this because I was just curious. Obviously, they made it clear that this isn't you know, a uh, historical, uh, you know, account of anything really, but there is, there's a couple interesting nods and one that was interesting. I just thought of it cause we were talking about Cherokee, uh, Bill, Lakeith's character. Um, there was two mentions of him or one was actually showing him shoot someone in the back and another was uh, a mention of it, uh, you know, a scene that was kind of surrounded it. But he uh, he was known, um, he had an epic, uh, uh, this Cherokee Bill I'm talking about, epic kill count back in the day. But it was kind of mitigated by people because he was known to shoot people in the back. And so, like, you know, it, I guess a lot of these outlaws, they would wear their kill count. I mean, we saw it with... Um, uh, uh, you know, Billy the Kid in Young Guns and other films yeah. excited about his kill count. But, I mean, his kill count was, you know, looked at as fraudulent, you know, almost like Barry Bonds' home run record because right. he was not he was not shy with shooting people in the back. And I thought that was really, really interesting. They, they you know, that was brought home in his, uh, even, his even up to his final scene. Well, Keith did a good job uh, playing like a, a, a fairly... Um callous type of person yep. and uh yep. his his death scene perfect for that was uh was pretty intense as well and he it's sort of the same deal uh he didn't give he didn't give the other guy the full uh count uh mm-hmm. to get yep. to get ready so um you know he he was definitely cutting corners when it came to like the the uh the honor system of the West, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, part of me gets it. I sometimes there's, I, I don't understand how people would have the, the honor in some of those situations. But, um, so, and also if you look up more, a little bit about Nate Love and, and, and I only did this briefly, but, um, I mean, Rufus Buck did have a gang back in the day, but Nate Love isn't really known for that. He was known as a very famous cowboy. He was first known as Red River Dick and then Deadwood Dick and, and, you know, he doesn't have this really 
intense outlaw history as far as I could find on just some brief things. So there was some some serious liberties taken there. He has been portrayed though in uh in movies before. He was um in the Cherokee Kid, he was played by Ernie Hudson. And then uh in a film, I don't know this one, they die at dawn, uh by the late great Michael K. Williams. So he's a very very now I do want to see both. I want to revisit uh, Cherokee Kid, and I do want to see um, uh, the day that they die at dawn. Excuse me, to kind of see see how they played with the character and everything like that. But um, it was interesting, and I think we can steer our way towards the end of the film here. Um, and I want to talk about the Nate versus Buck scene and what happened there. But it was interesting to see how at the end of the, this film they, uh, you know, he kind of put this outlaw past or this this mission behind him you know you know found a way to fake his death and ride off into you know what could be a sunset um you know with with the love of his life and everything like that and moving on to what could be an honorable life maybe that honorable life is the life that and I'm just reading into it and I like this idea the life that we know uh historically of him you know being an outlaw and everything like that so maybe maybe this is some sort of prequel to who he became historically but well, uh, I, I think if the last shot of the film tells us anything, that the the adventure, like the fight, isn't over. We're not done. Yeah. True, true, tr- Trudy's hat. And yeah. That was her silhouette, right? That's what I believe. Yes. Yeah, but I believe so too. So that was Trudy. So I mean, we're we're already set up for uh, yeah for a sequel here, which is fun. I mean, these, revisiting these worlds and these characters, I am all for. But it all culminated when uh, Nate walked in that room. Um, you know, to, to finally have his final confrontation with Buck. And I love what they did here. I love what the, the decision-making they, the storytellers uh, took here because, you know, we get to hear Buck's story and just a stunning scene for both of these actors. What they did here is, and I love any time any film or story, book, whatever, does this, they play with the perspective and they give us both sides of the story because, you know, you never, it's it's usually the motive there's motives um that each character each individual thinks are good that's usually the case in in a lot of these situations um especially here and it's it's this challenges exactly the idea of who the villain is and and gives each character kind of a just cause here which was really really fascinating and i mean what we found out here is that i mean we're dealing with half brothers and they 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 had the same father, but very different upbringings. And we were able to find out that that Buck had a pretty good reason for for going in there and taking the life of who was his father. And I thought that was a brilliant way to bring the story home. Well, yeah, and then it becomes a really hard choice for Nate Love. Uh, and you know, I was really. I, I thought for a second he was going to let him live, and I'm, and then I maybe Rufus would take a swipe at him. But I'm really glad that he went through with it and got his revenge. Um, you know, it, he sort of went ahead and, and and did what he came to do and finished the job. Um, and uh, you know, it was it was a fitting end, even though it was a, a, a twist ending or a shock shock to his system. You know. I think the way, and this is the way I took it, that uh, the way he killed him, um, you know, of course he wanted his revenge for, for his childhood being really stolen. It looks like he yeah. was having a pretty nice childhood. 
But the way that he ended up killing him after getting that information, I mean, he was killing him and, and taking him out as much for the truth that was revealed to him as for him killing his parents. I mean, finding that information out that his father, you know, was probably a terrible man or that had he had it coming in a certain ways. His father was responsible for his, his the tragedy in the same way. So I felt like it, that the way, you know, Majors was struggling with killing him and then aggressively unloading bullets until, until he didn't have any more. He was killing... He was taking out his anger on the truth that came to light there as well. Not to, it wasn't just about the revenge anymore. Yeah, it's a very good, very good point. I, I definitely found myself thinking about what what his was it relief, was it anger? You know what what was boiling up in him at the end? You know. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, this just if you were to search out kind of a, a moral. Um, you know, hunt one down within all the the bloodshed and the shooting. It just felt like to me like violence begets violence, and just like you know, any of the the everything that led to the father being violent, um, you know, around Rufus and the violence that came from that. Everything just kept steamrolling, and that that's something I just kept thinking about. This this all started with with you know some initial violence, and it kept leading. To uh, to more and more uh, violence. What did you think of that shootout of the end? I, it, it's that was that was a lot going on. I love I love these New Mexico sets they were using, and it was just it was it was a wild ride, really. Yeah, it was definitely the centerpiece of the movie for me, and uh, really well, really well done. I'd love to see how he planned all that out. It's just basically, you know, a, a, a full on war, and everyone's just. Uh, everyone's getting you know it sort of reminds me of like the star wars jedi thing where people shooting behind them because they just have the, <laughs> the they trust the force and stuff and delroy lindo's you know just taking people out from behind his uh, yeah. back and yeah. everything <laughs> and uh it, it really reminded me of a lot of james bond westerns when you know nate love finally gets through everyone and then the last guy is like Instead of instead of waiting with the gun aggressively, they're like playing a piano or like playing chess or you know. The, and then the <laughs> yeah, first yep. and instead of talking about the situation at hand, they always say something you know like, "It's funny about chess. It's funny, you know." Or they're playing a song. <laughs> and they always want to divert. They always want to divert from the business at hand to try to throw you off and put you put you in some sort of calm so that they could jump on you later. You know, absolutely. Uh, but uh, I loved I loved the. I, it isn't meant to say formulaic. I just love the familiarity of some of the beats uh, because it, it allows right. the filmmaker to really deal with what we're familiar with in an original and unique way. You know, yeah, the familiarity just also lends to just having a good time. Yeah, and exactly. I think it's. It, I hate that that you know. I don't mean to mitigate a, a movie that had so many pretty incredible moving parts just to a good time, but I mean. At the end of the day, this film is something I'm going to revisit because I thought it was fun. I want to watch that train robbery again. I want to watch that shootout at the end. I want to watch these performances. It was, I mean, 
it's just I, I think it was meant to be a good time. I, I don't think they would, you know, any of the filmmakers, anyone involved, is go, would even take that as a bad thing. I mean, this is something. I mean, there's excessive violence. There's just this revenge adventure going on. I mean, it's kind of I think I saw it this written uh, somewhere, and I'm I, I'm sorry I can't credit it, but someone wrote that it was a um, kind of like a, a western fan fiction in a, in a fun, and that that makes sense to me. And it's just it it. It's it just was such a good time, and I think that's why we want to celebrate it here today. And it's a good time with a stunning cast. I mean, I can just spend, and just even in their movies on their own, I can spend tons of time and just enjoy their, you know, they be with the goddess that is Regina King, be with Zazy, be with Idris. These are just, uh, you know, Jonathan Majors. It just, it's just, it, it's, it's, I. I don't know. It's having them all together in, in this film where they could play in this way was just such a joy. I, I'm not sure if this film had a, any sort of theatrical lease, release, uh, but I would imagine if it got a Did full not. theatrical you know, run of some kind, three weeks or something, that it would have done really well. It felt like a movie theater type of movie. Uh, yeah. It definitely felt like an event movie, and it's a great genre. Mm-hmm. It's a great twist on a genre, really well made, and uh, yeah, it's a good time. Good time. So, uh, and this was a good time talking about it. Looks like we really have the harder they fall to coming at us. If not, I'm excited to see what comes from um, uh, Jamie Samuel. What a what a talent. Uh, what a multi talented freak. Really, it's so so impressive. Uh, Mitch, thank you uh, uh, for taking the time to talk out this film with me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for letting me uh, talk movies with you. Looking forward to the next one. Uh, we'll be right back at it soon. And uh, thank you, everyone out there, for once again joining the party. foreign lands I laid my sword in the sand I made my peace with man they live by feast as far as my eyes can see I seek a golden fleece one day you'll make your peace so don't tell my hand I'm just a man a deadly scene a weathered bean Men must cry, we soldiers lie on threatened land. My guns go bang, I can make the guns go bang. I make all the guns go bang, I can make the guns go bang. I make all the guns go bang. 17 with the switch, it'll change you. Mama always said you was an angel. I forgot ghosts, but the stars he never came through. He got ghosts, but those walls he never came through. Stained glass windows in the church, I hope you stain proof. Just when the ties change, I'm trying to stain you. Plotting for revenge, dig your grave too. Whatever you want in grave, what your tombstone gon' say too. Crosses on the head of an angel. Sins of the father, dark in the dust that I became you. Faithful to the end. Ooh. Bullets with your name's true. Cock back, aim, shoot, bang. tries to fool, there's nothing no one can do. Just holding no one to lose. I'm making red of the blues. Hello, Cyrus. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris Podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.